0: Welcome back to the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. Today, we are talking about posit- body positivity with Julian Lama. She's a master life and weight loss coach, helping women end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in their bodies. No cheating required. She's coming here all the way from Rockland, California, Right. So doing,
1: I live in North Carolina right now, yeah, you're in North Carolina, but I'm but
0: from I, California. You're from California and you live in North Carolina. I love, mm-hmm. that's right. I love North Carolina. I want to settle out there. Um, thank you so much for joining me guys. Also one moment, I want to give an opportunity to check out her website. It's body you And there is, she has a free workshop linked below as well. Um, so definitely check out it's five keys to end emotional eating. Again, thank you so much, Julian, for joining me today.
1: Yes, thank you for having me, Olivia.
0: So I want to first start off like with how you started your journey in becoming a coach for this. Yeah, so this has been kind of an
1: evolution of of steps and progress. And so I started my first business, which was a bakery in Dhaka, Bangladesh. So I did cakes and cupcakes primarily for the expat community, and I catered birthdays and weddings and parties and anniversaries. I did things for the United Nations, the World Bank, different foreign governments, and I had a blast. And that's what really kind of got me into entrepreneurship. And um, and ever since becoming my own boss, I was like, man, this is pretty fun. Like, I was not expecting to go this route. I studied international relations and Russian, thought I was going to work for the government. And so to kind of take this little jaunt into, you know, having my own business, um, I, that it was just, it was a blast and I loved it. Um, and so that's what kind of sparked this desire to create a business But then I I also realized I wanted a laptop business. I wanted something that I could go around the world and I could live in Thailand for a month or three and I could still work and I could still make money, you know, things like that. And so um, I got into coaching originally from the marketing and business side of things. And I had a lot of health coach clients um, and a few of whom who I was very hesitant to want to work with because I just thought that what they were teaching was total bullshit. (laughs) and I was like, I don't know that I really can like fully be invested in this because you're you're teaching something that I don't think is realistic. And I think you're making promises that you cannot keep. And like that feels out of integrity with me. So uh, I quickly realized like, oh, I have my own thoughts and (laughs) ideas about what's required and what's not around weight loss and body image. And having been through that struggle myself, and actually at the time was still kind of going through a lot of body image and weight loss challenges. um, I, I decided, okay, I want to become a a health coach. I want to become a weight loss coach. And so as I went through my health coach and life coach certification, I started to realize that in order to coach people effectively, I really wanted to be in integrity with what I was teaching. And I really wanted to have worked through these things on my own, in particular things around emotional eating and cravings and thoughts about my body and weight loss. Um, I used food um, and, and taking away food as like it was punishment for the number on the scale. Exercise a lot of times it was punishment. Um, and so I really had to, I wanted to work on myself um, so that I could help other women through it. And so that's kind of the the short kind of nutshell version of kind of my mid, you know, early to mid-20s through my early 30s um, and what led me to this point today.
0: So Julianne, did you when you what are some of the things that you changed when it comes from being restrictive? and not allowing yourself to, and excessively working out. Yeah. How did you, what were, what was the biggest shift there?
1: Yeah. So it was really interesting. I started to realize um, all I or I realized that I have a re- relationship with food. That I have a lot of thoughts and feelings um, about food, especially food being good or bad or evil or off limits. And um, I am what you might call like a geriatric millennial. So I still come from the fat is bad era of the '90s, coupled with the carbs are bad and sugar is bad era of like the 2000s. So it was. I I kept telling myself like I just need to eat vegetables and protein and like that's it right like I should just be happy I should be able to do this this is what I should be doing for you know physical and mental performance and so realizing that I really had an unhealthy relationship with carbs, carbs like there was anxiety when when people would be eating carbs and they would offer me a bite because like I really did not. I I was like, I can't do that. That's, that's bad. I'm like ruining my diet. I'm ruining my day. So it really took unraveling thoughts about food and really starting to understand and see how that those weren't actually working for me. Like I could try to eat low carb, but if at the end of the night I'm eating three protein bars or, you know, a bag of popcorn or, you know, like I'm kind of, you know, eating these things that, it, it negates the whole idea of like being low carb. I remember back in college trying to eat low carb, I was running cross country and feeling, you know, I was the biggest girl on the team felt like I needed to lose weight. And so I would eat like a low carb dinner. And then I'd go back to my, my room and eat like three or four chewy s'mores, granola bars, you know, like I would be doing so like quote so good on my diet, but I wasn't able to maintain it and sustain it because I just wasn't fueling my body properly all throughout the day. Um, And I wasn't thinking about myself in the right way. It was always, I'll be good enough when I'm a certain weight. I'll be good enough over there. And it was, I was always moving the goalpost. So when I was 130, I wanted to be 125. If I was 125, I wanted to be 120. If I was 120, you know, it was like, it was never good enough. And then once you do lose the weight, well, now I was just terrified of gaining it back again. So I still lived in, at war with food and I still like was nitpicking my body and never fully comfortable in my own skin. And so just realizing how my thoughts played a role in that. And it sounds kind of funny, but like the idea that, oh, I, I can choose to think something different about myself just because I choose to think something different, you know, like I can give myself that permission. That was really freeing.
0: I, yeah. Yeah, that sounds extremely frank. Considering <laughs> that the biggest the the thing we encounter most is our thoughts anyway, like uh-huh. our thoughts. So changing your mind around how you think is actually really hard. It's hard. It's so mm-hmm. easy, mm-hmm. but people. I, I think that people bypass that. They don't mm-hmm. think that it's it, and especially when you're not fueled properly with food.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You become so much more obsessive. And I found Mm -hmm. myself like on social media, just not even, I wasn't highly comparing myself to so many people, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's the filters for me Mm -hmm. that are something that it's so changing when it comes to self-image in general. Mm, Like, yeah, and we're so used to seeing cartoon versions of ourselves now Uh and filtered versions and highly yeah. edited photos, it starts to, you know, we start to see this and put unrealistic standards on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when you're not even eating prop like, you know, stuff to fuel your mind, your, mi- right. your mind needs fats. Like, right.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> like your brain needs that. It, it also needs carbs. Like your yeah. body really needs carbs. It took me years to figure that out because like you, I um, thought that in the beginning that fat was bad, and then I did keto. I'm like, oh, no, fat's not bad. Carbs are bad. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I I relate to that heavily. So with what are some, some of the common things that you're seeing am, among your clients?
1: So a lot of times um, it, it's thoughts and things that get – set down in childhood. So that's one of the the like places that we start is really starting to um, unpack and unwind some of these thoughts, thoughts about our bodies, about what they should look like, about what is good, acceptable, how we are loved, how we, and a lot of times, um, if you are kind of like a perfectionist, if you have to earn or achieve a certain thing, if you are achievement based, and so now it's, I have to earn love, I have to earn my own positive self-talk. Um, that's one of the pieces. Um, I think personality tests um, can be really insightful. Things like, um, I think it was the Enneagram, like I went through and did years ago, never paid attention to it, and started talking with my best friend about it a couple weeks ago. And then I was, it just kind of hit me like, Oh my gosh, this is totally spot on because somebody like me who I think I'm a one, I really struggle in particular with self-talk and self-criticism. And so just recognizing, being able to see like this is where my brain naturally wants to go and there's not a problem with that but i don't have to indulge those thoughts i always get to redirect i always get to choose to think something new and giving yourself that choice like it's not going to feel natural especially if you're like well no i have to earn it well i have to be a certain size or a certain shape or a certain weight before i can start thinking these things or telling myself this but so really flipping that on its head has been has been the biggest shift and and that's one thing that i work with clients around a lot is thinking about you know, when they, when they do lose the weight, well, how do you think you're going to feel about yourself? How do you think you're going to talk to yourself? How do we start envisioning what that is going to look like and start living that out today of what is she doing? What is she thinking? How is she complimenting herself? What is she not doing? What is she not saying? What is she not worried about? Um, You know, just as much as, you know, what she is, is doing. So, those are always the key steps is really identifying what are the thoughts. um, And then what are the the thoughts and excuses and permissions that we're giving to overeat, to emotionally eat, and really starting to unpack and unwind that and looking at how emotions, even the kind of like, not quite subconscious, but these like, Emotions that are almost so commonplace that they run underneath the surface and they're constantly there. And it might be shame or regret, feeling like you're not good enough. Um, You know, these things that we can start to eat over, especially if you're anything like me and you've been a chronic dieter and you use food um, as kind of like this restrictive method. Well, then it kind of becomes a place where, okay, because food has been scarce in the past, now it makes it makes it a, a little bit easier to create this emotional attachment to it, to when I want to feel better, I reach for certain foods. Um, so really starting to unpack and unwind why we're reaching for that food in particular, not just saying, well, this is bad or I shouldn't be doing it, but really looking at what's driving that because there's always going to be an emotion driving that, that decision to eat.
0: You said so much and I wanna I wanna piggyback off of the Enneagram thing really quick. Yeah that is no, that's really big. The personality test. I'm I'm big on Enneagram, Myers Briggs. Like I uh-huh. even came in designs. Like, let yeah. me know. <laughs> Who yeah. are you? Right? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a three. Um uh-huh. but it's interesting to know that about once uh-huh. I, I did not know that. So now it's that's something that's even more eye-opening for me to like hope my clients specifically, Mm -hmm. um, because I I don't know, I don't think I've actually worked with many ones. Mm -hmm. Um, but then with the emotion tied to food, Mm -hmm. that's just like emotion tied to money. There's emotion Mm -hmm. tied to almost everything that brings joy and pain. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and then we can have emotion about money, about food. Right. So now, well, I don't want to throw the food away because that would be wasteful. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, or you go out to a restaurant and you're thinking, well, I need to clean my plate or I don't want to waste these, you know, two bites of filet mignon left, but it's not enough to take home. So I guess I should just eat it you know, cause I don't want it. I don't want to throw it out. And so we've got a lot of thoughts around money and food that often come from like our grandparents. Um, and it gets filtered down to our parents to where it's, it's clean your plate. It, it, and they legitimately did not know when they were going to eat next. And so it makes total sense that of course it was eat now because we don't know when, when the next meal is coming or where it's coming from. Um, but this, the, so much scarcity around food, around money, around, um like valuables, my grandparents, I had two grandparents who they were like hoarders. They just saved everything because you never know what might be worth something someday, you know, like totally of that mindset. Um, And so it's interesting how we can kind of have this scarcity around money and it comes out as scarcity around food as well. And those kind of are like puzzle pieces that, that go together.
0: Oh yeah. Cause I, you saying that I were, have worked in the restaurant industry for 10 years Mm-hmm. And when I first started working in the, in the restaurant industry, I was like, why are these people leaving so much food on their place? Like they're wasting. There's so many hungry people we throw out, we yeah. throw out, bought like so many trash bags of food every night working in a uh-huh. restaurant. You, that's uh-huh. just what happens. Yeah. In all of my years of serving though, I've only had one table and, and it's a, fi- a fine dining restaurant that took home leftovers that they weren't going to eat to give to homeless people. Only one. Yeah. But that, that right there, it it, it showed me something because it's not something that I I do. But now I do. You know, now I, I, that's something that I encourage. But
1: yeah, it's, I love that idea.
0: Yeah. That way we're not wasting. You don't Uh feel that you're giving it to somebody in need because I mean, I, the other day I walked past a man Uh that was homeless digging through the trash for food. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, yeah, our parents didn't like grandparents might not have known like the nat- last time they would eat, but there are still people nowadays that don't know the next time they're mm-hmm, going to get a meal,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and that's fair too.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But I I agree with but most of the people that are listening to this. <laughs> they know <laughs> when they're going to. eat. They got food in the fridge. They need the sign right. on the fridge that says "Are you hungry?" Right. That's one of the signs that I actually like imagine put up on my fridge because at one point during COVID. I was like, I think I need a sign because I'm
1: working from home. The fridge is yeah. just right down there. Oh girl, I had sticky notes. Don't, don't play. Like it was on the pantry. It was on each individual item. Like it was on the box of ice cream. It was on the refrigerator because I believe that we can lose weight eating the foods we love, but we have to stop emotionally eating in order to do that. And we're mm-hmm. not going to reach for food when we're not truly hungry. And so I, I can have the ice cream. I can have the chocolate. I can have the pop tarts or whatever it is. But the key question is always, am I hungry? And then the thing when it comes to snacks too, is like, I also know, like if I have a handful of nuts or I kind of have like some kind of snack item and I'm still hungry afterwards, I should not go back and keep snacking. I actually need a smaller meal. Like I Mm -hmm. need more food. I'm actually in, in need of of more than just a snack. That's not going to do it for me, you know. So it's really being honest about where we're at in in terms of am I hungry? Am I not? And if I'm not hungry, okay. Well, what am I thinking? What am I feeling right now? Why am I reaching for food? Why am I in the kitchen? Because um, <laughs> there've been plenty of times where I walked in, walked in the pantry, walk oh you know, open the fridge or the freezer, ask myself am I hungry? Answer was no, and so I close the door and walk out. You know, and like, you don't even have to do the deeper work of trying to identify why, you know, in the beginning, just even recognizing like, no, I'm not truly hungry, but I'm eating and I'm choosing to eat. Like that can just be that bringing that awareness is what's so essential. Yeah. yeah. So there's no shame in signs or sticky notes or (laughs) whatever you need.
0: (laughs) I was like, I was thinking, I'm like, you know, at that that time and now, so my husband was deployed and now he's back. Uh Uh-huh. And he's, you know, men like to eat. Yeah, and um, he likes to eat a lot more than I do now, mm-hmm. because he's also like seventy pounds, eighty pounds more than me. Right. Um. He's a grown man. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just yeah. What it is.
1: He's probably got much more muscle mass. He. Yes, he yeah. Has.
0: And um, it, that's understandable. But now it's, right. like, it's like, well you want to eat? I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not hungry. Like he's yeah. not my question maker, but that, that can also be another influence because it's like, uh-huh. I haven't had pizza in this house until he, he came back. Oh, <laughs> man, I kind of want a
1: slice of that. Like, what? yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was talking, I was t- sharing my story on a podcast and how um, back when I first started to realize I was emotionally eating, it was when my husband was deployed and um, we, and I was, didn't really do a whole lot of work around starting to identify, you know, why, what else was going on. I just thought, well, when he comes home, that'll fix it. Just change your circumstances and it'll change the emotion. So when he comes back home, well, then you'll stop emotionally eating. no because then not only is not only do you have the challenge of coming back together and trying to be husband and wife again and just the inevitable challenges that come up with that of kind of living the single life for a while. And now you're trying to live with another human. (laughs) So there's always things there, but it's like, there was still a lot of thoughts and I, and, and things running underneath the surface. And I think that's one of the biggest things is we think, well, let me, let me solve this by changing the thing. Let me change spouses. Let me, you know, once my kids are out of this stage, once I have a bigger house, once I change jobs, once it's like change the circumstance, um, instead of, how do I change my thoughts about this th- circumstance? How do I start to change my thoughts about myself? How do I change thoughts about my spouse or about him being gone? I think that's what we really have to work on. And that I think is what's really missing in just in our education system and especially in the diet and fitness industry.
0: Honestly, when it comes to diet and fitness, I think that I didn't figure Out what I needed to eat properly and so I started training for a bikini competition Uh uh-huh and I mean I because almost everybody else wants to take these supplements they Uh want you to do like all this unnecessary stuff they they make Uh food so complicated yeah instead of just the basics yeah the basics being protein like and it's it's pretty balanced like I was doing 40, 30, 30, 40 Uh high protein, Uh um, 30 carbs, Uh 30 um, fats. And I was surprised. I was so surprised that I could eat sweet potatoes and lose weight because of my, my ideology around carbs. Right, right. And I was like, oh, so I've just been lied to. Oh, they're just trying to make
1: money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's important too, though, because oh, it's so funny. Like I think back on this and I'm like, how did I survive? Because it was like, I was anti-fat, anti-carb, anti-sugar, anti-calorie because calories were bad, right? And calories are associated with that. And so you wanted to, it was like, almost like you want to eat as little as humanly possible. And this idea that you need to eat 1200 calories, or if If you're, you know, I think it was, if you're like 150 pounds or less, you want to be eating 1200 calories to lose weight. And then if you are, you know, like one in the 175 to 195 range, you want 1400 calories. And I was just thinking like, that is so ridiculously low. Like your body needs way more than that, just to survive at rest, that you are now creating more cravings for yourself to have to work on. In addition to now creating this like emotional diet hell. Mm -hmm. that you have to live in. And there are gonna be some people who can try diets and be like, well, that didn't work and this is BS and they can throw it out the window and it doesn't affect them. But a lot of us, I think, get really down on ourselves about, well, I should be losing weight or I should be sticking to this diet or why can't I figure this out? I just need to try harder. And this idea of like just willpower harder and try harder and diet harder, like that never, that never ends up working. And by working, I mean you can lose the weight and keep it off forever. Like you you do not gain the weight back. And that's, that's the thing is there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, I'm sure of success stories where people have short-term lost weight, but it's like, well, where are they in a
0: year, two years, three years? Absolutely. Like my biggest thing that has helped me, like, I I feel like I've tried not all of the diets, but I tried Mm -hmm. a whole bunch, you know, Mm -hmm. I did, I've done keto like five times. Granted, I've lost weight doing Mm -hmm. these things. Mm Mm-hmm. But they're not sustainable. This is not a lifestyle. So then I realized, yeah. oh, I like to, I eat food to be, to fuel my body.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I enjoy being outdoors because of what the
1: mm-hmm.
0: the environment provides for me. It makes me so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to be strong mm-hmm. and do things. Mm-hmm. I This a year ago, me, no, I just want to be skinny and look cute. No, but right. like, you know what I'm saying. Like that's what yeah. most people think. It took me yeah. forever, and I've been losing weight for like five years. Like at my heaviest, uh-huh. I was two twenty. Uh huh. So. Now, like I'm like 18% body fat.
1: Yeah, (laughs) wow, and that's amazing. And I love that you also share that. Hey, you've been on this journey for several years, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that is one of the biggest things is that often we have unrealistic expectations of how quickly or how fast we should be able to lose it and keep it off. And that's one of like the biggest things that I've noticed with clients is when they when they come to me and they're like, "Well, I want to lose 50 pounds in six months." I'm like, "Okay, that's great." what if we double that time frame? Like, would you be okay losing 50 pounds in a year? And it would take a little bit of coaching around, but at the end of the day, they're like, well, yeah, I would be okay with 50 pounds in a year if it meant that I don't have to gain the weight back again. And so then it's like, okay, sweet. Well, that looks like one pound a week. Like, that's it. It's a pretty like low number. It's not, you're not going for two, three, five pounds in a week. Um, And the more like everybody who, that I've worked with that has accepted this might take longer than I think it will, has always lost their weight faster than they expected because they were mentally prepared to do this long-term, to do this with the right intentions. And like you said, like you're on this journey and you're probably reevaluating every year too, to just kind of see, all right, where do I want to be? Where, what feels good to me? And, and not, I have to hurry up and get there so that I can Talk nice to myself, basically, so that I I can be happy or I can feel confident or proud. Like we need to start feeling those things now, regardless of your size, shape, or weight.
0: Yes, because you have to take you with you. you yes, yes. And rude on yourself is not going to help you. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm honestly, I was, I was kind to myself and motivational mm-hmm. to myself. Through when I was a lot bigger, but when I was doing competition, that was Mm -hmm. hard. Like Mm -hmm. when I was prepping for that, and I had to I realized I was like, I'm not, I'm not right for this right now. Like I'm gonna compete in April Mm -hmm. of 2022. But I wanted my husband to be here for one. I didn't want to spend a whole bunch of money. I didn't want to win. And I realized how much money I was investing in Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. I I was like, I can't afford to have like five, six thousand dollar hobbies that I don't place in. (laughs) So, I was, yeah. <laughs> like, the, the money being a thing, I can't pose for crap. Uh-huh. Like, and posing is, like, half of the competition. Yeah. You can look yeah. great, but if you can't pose, like... What are you doing up there? You're,
1: yeah, you're done. You're done, sir. You're done.
0: <laughs> so, and I realized I was like, "Oh, this is gonna take me longer." I had no idea. Uh-huh. It was like a legit sport. Uh huh.
1: Yeah. And
0: so th- that that made me realize how big body image was because uh-huh. before I was like, it was okay. Like I was losing weight. Like I wasn't uh-huh. too down on myself, but then I was being excessively critical. Yeah, because I had to be a certain body fat percentage. My muscles need to look right. a specific way. And what that did to my mindset, like, especially low being low calorie, it wasn't that my coaches were telling me to do this either. That mm-hmm. wasn't the case. Uh-huh. I was not eating. Yeah, I was freaking myself out. And I want to know, like, because I was, you know, about your clients, what are some of the biggest excuses that your clients give you? as to why they can't stay on track. Oh,
1: oh, this is such a good one. So, (laughs) so these are called, I call these my favorite excuses for not losing weight. And these are all of the, the permission giving thoughts and justifications. So things like I worked out really hard today, I deserve it. Maybe I had a long day at work. I had a long week at work. So I need a pizza I need, you know, like I unwind with a glass or bottle of wine. (laughs) Um, It might look like, um, like, I did so good. I lost weight last week. Now I get to splurge. Now I get a cheat day. So really reframing the whole thought process. Sometimes it's, well, I didn't want to waste it. I have to clean my plate. Um, the idea that because there are people who are hungry around the world that I should now overeat to compensate for that. Like I, we don't ever stop to kind of question, like this doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, and, and, And then also really digging into some of the fears that they have around weight loss. Things like, well, maybe my family won't be as accepting of me. Maybe my family is going to be tough or they're going to tease me or they're going to mock me or they're going to think that I'm too good for them because I'm now eating different foods or I'm, you know, I'm choosing to eat healthier. So I'm not partaking in the same things. Um, It could be with with friends um, and going out of well, I don't want to be the party pooper. I don't want to um, be seen as like awkward or um, sometimes it's free or somebody else is buying or somebody else wants you to drink Wants Yeah, I want you to drink with them. Um, there's, you know, dozens of different reasons. And that's what's what's really unique is figuring out what are the the most common that you tell yourself um, to get you to eat off plan or to, to kind of go off track, whether it's, I'm not going to drink my water, I'm not going to go to bed by 10pm and get my, you know, full hours of sleep, I'm not going to exercise. And I really advocate for most women, we don't need to be doing like CrossFit style workouts, we just need to be moving our bodies. Um, And then also looking at different um, health conditions and how sometimes exercise can make it harder for you to lose weight. Sometimes, um, you know, if you are not you know, moderating your blood sugar well, and you're not moving your body in a way that works for you and what's, what your body is going through, whether you have um, like hypothyroidism or um, Crohn's disease or PCOS or some of these other, you know, kind of health risks, health factors, diabetes. Like we want to start to work with your body instead of against it. And this whole calories in, calories out, just exercise more and eat less is not the way that most people are going to achieve the long-term lasting success that they want. Um, And so really breaking through this idea of this is how it should look. I should be eating this. I shouldn't be doing that. Um, that has that. That's always going to be one of the the biggest places to gain like awareness because you'll gain so much freedom when you start to realize like, oh, I I can eat cake every day if I wanted to, and I could lose weight. Do I want to? Does this actually make me feel good? And we can start to talk about timing and um, and nutrients and you know other things.
0: Oh yeah, and yeah. when
1: I for
0: side note, like when I started eating like cleaner, mm-hmm. I I would know. I'm like, oh, well, no, when you need a banana, like, mm-hmm. no, when you like need certain things or yeah. you know, you're craving something salty, okay, go get some al- almonds. You know, you yeah. might need you know something else. Um, yeah, and making those little shifts. Grant, it's been a work in progress, but I mean. Mm-hmm all half of the excuses that you gave are totally ones that i said like mm-hmm. i used to when i was at my heaviest i was joking around like oh i have to maintain like that i would just allow myself to just uh-huh. eat all the food cuz i got to maintain uh-huh. knowing i want uh-huh. to lose weight like yeah and yeah. Also, as i'm getting older i'm noticing like yeah, I don't really need to lift heavy things, and uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like being able to. But I really don't want to have to lift up and throw up really, really heavy stuff all the time. Uh huh. I'm much rather do stuff that, like, I love dance fitness. Uh huh. You know? And I think it, it also goes with like finding ways to be active that you actually enjoy, yes. and not just yes. doing stuff because you feel like you have to. It's just torture. Yeah. That people put right.
1: Right. Exactly. It's just, well, burn as many calories as you you know possibly can. And that's that's not what it's about. It's about finding movement and activities that you enjoy. Um, and so that whole kind of philosophy of, you know, when you find a job that you love, you never work a day in your life. It's the same way when it comes to fitness. Like when you find activities and things that you actually enjoy, it's not arduous. It's not punishment. You're not trying to make up for what you ate last night. You know, it's not trying to like, you know, get on a treadmill and run like a hamster. You know, like it's it's really about what do you enjoy? And that was a big thing that I told myself for a long time was like, well, I just want to be healthy. I just want to be fit. I just love to run. But a lot of times it was just punishment. Like, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't acknowledge that to anybody for a long time. Um, some of my excuses lately, actually. So when I was pregnant, one of my thoughts was, we're going to gain weight anyways. You might as well just eat the cupcake, right? Like, you're going it, to, it's bound to happen. Um, or like there was a, a couple of weeks ago, I had another thought. Oh, what was it? Oh, so I had, um, I teach body pump. So I teach group fitness and I had a class and we got done at 7.30. So it's now like eight, it's almost nine. It's kind of late in the evening. Usually I try to stop eating by eight though. Uh, and then, so at nine o'clock, I'm like, oh, you know what? You didn't really eat yet. You don't want to be hungry tonight. You don't want to be hungry, too hungry in the morning. You know your body is going to need some some calories so it can recover. You need to make sure you have some protein and some fat. Like you, you should probably eat, right? Even though I really wasn't that hungry. Like there were maybe these slight whispers of hunger, but I totally could have gone to bed, like had some tea and just gone to bed, and like it would not be an issue. But I chose to eat anyways, and so then the next day it was like, oh, interesting, like our brains are really clever. And and so instead of beating myself up, what's really important is that we just get curious and start to be on the lookout for this. So that way, like the next week when the class rolls around, it's okay. Remember you don't need to eat so that your body can repair. Like it's okay to work out in the evening and not eat afterwards. It's okay to work out in the mornings and not eat right afterwards. We have so many rules around, you have to get in this much protein, this much time after you exercise, right? Like (laughs) I'm sure you are, know all of them,
0: Oh my goodness! I got it. One of my friends like went off on me, but I was like on the, beginning <laughs> of the So I mean, in, in, the, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, it was only because she loved me. But she was being like, all like, "Well, you're just doing too much. You're being unhealthy, and you need to eat after you work out." I'm like, I do not have to eat after I work out, like late at night. Like I don't have to do that. I I it will be okay. Yeah. To eat in the morning because yeah. I was intermittent fasting. She uh-huh. just against what I was doing, but uh huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's tough, you know. It's it's hard especially if, you know, people have their own thoughts and ideas about what what healthy looks like, what it should look like. Um and then, yeah, and especially with the fasting too. Um, you know, there have been thoughts too of like, oh, well let me eat a little bit later at night cuz I don't want to be hungry in the morning cuz I'm supposed to fast in the morning. Or you know, it's like we can kind of use some some things against ourselves. But I think it's really important like you had brought up earlier of just really asking yourself, am I truly physically hungry? And if it's not a clear yes, it's a no. And that's one thing that then we get to deal with why we're sad that we don't get to eat, why we're disappointed that we're not going to be, you know, eating or enjoying this. And then the other piece is also enjoying the company of other people without making it all about the food. And I've been guilty of this for sure. Um, and, And it's like, no, how do I make it about, you know, my, my friends, my spouse, who I'm with, the family members, and not just about the food that we're putting in our mouths.
0: Yes. I, one of my friends that I met years ago, she was like, you know what? You should make, sh- I, I don't ever get, meet people for lunch or dinner. I only like, we can do coffee. We'll go mm-hmm. on a walk. We'll do it. But that got me in the habit of just starting to. Of course, me and my friends go out to eat, but mm-hmm. we, you know, we also do things like go on walks, go on runs, work out mm-hmm. together, um, go do yoga,
1: you know, right, stuff like
0: right. that. Just right. other types of activities, so that food isn't like the major like priority. Yeah, yeah. eat out. It's because it's we're we're always celebrating something, so there's
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong, right? Like I think we should enjoy our food. There's nothing wrong with enjoying food and eating food that tastes good. Like I have a rule where if it is not an eight out of 10 or better in terms of my enjoyment of it, I do not eat it. I do not drink it.
0: How is your like, like quality of food, like how has your pickiness changed over the years when you go out to Ooh. eat?
1: So I am much more likely to try bites of things. So even if, or like, um, to order certain appetizers. So I think about there are these like brisket cheesy covered loaded fries that we get from one of our favorite local restaurants. And between two people, it's like your meal basically. But when you have like, you know, four or more then it can be like an appetizer and it's delicious. And I, like every time we go to this restaurant like that's always one of the things that we order and looking like a few years ago probably three four years ago like i might have had one fry at one point you know like one time but i would not be i would not be eating that because potatoes are bad they're evil they're carbs hello <laughs> like i cannot eat that and um and so i'm just i'm so much more likely to try things um to try new foods new restaurants um to at least try bites of things and that's the thing is i give myself permission not not to like everything. Um, you know, like I still have certain tastes and preferences, uh, but it's, it's all about really tuning into what do I enjoy? Not just what should I be eating because it's low fat or because it's low carb or because it's low calorie. Um, oh,
0: yeah. but like,
1: what do I actually enjoy and, and making sure that I'm, yeah, that I'm eating, for, for true physical hunger. And that when I'm not hungry and other people are eating, like learning how to socialize and engage in a way where I can still be there and a part of the conversation and I don't have to be eating in order to have a good time.
0: Yeah. Um, that That's a hard one for me because when I am out and there's food, if I'm mm-hmm. not being strict, oh, I'm eating it. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't eat it all. I, I, I've that's something that I've learned over time to start curving, but, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. I'm going to take the thing that I'm taking the most away is how we, how you monitor your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not, not criticizing, but really being, having that curiosity. Mm-hmm. My, I turned 29 yesterday and my whole thing is having a learner's mindset. Mm-hmm. And like, that's one of my really big themes this year. And, mm-hmm. um, I need to learn how I think more when it comes to some, some of those things. Like I was driving the other day. I was yeah. like, Ooh, maybe I'll treat myself to like some McDonald's. And <laughs> then I, and then I said, then I said, but is that really treating myself? Uh-huh. Yeah. That, uh no, it's not. I'm like, oh, I'm going to feel sick. Uh, it's not going uh-huh, <laughs> to, you know? uh-huh, right, like, right.
1: Yeah. Well, happy birthday. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, and the other thing to remember is like, we are not dogs, we do not need treats for good behavior, we can eat food because it tastes good, but we do not need to be trying to reward our like, we need to be rewarding ourselves with our positive self talk, like I need to be giving myself praise, giving myself that pat on the back, telling myself how awesome I did. Even on those days where I and especially on those days where I feel like I don't get enough done. Like I it was just a total shit show. Or, you know, last week. So two weeks ago, my son got sick. Then last week I was kind of sick, not feeling good. So even on those days where it's like, hey, I did the client call and I showered and that was about it, you know, like I didn't get a whole lot done, but that's okay. You know, like really just allowing that and not being so hard and so critical. Um, and, Yeah. And really, I think one of the best places is to start by understanding your personality type like as best as you can. That way, you know what some of these triggers are. You know where your brain is likely to go or um, where you might kind of get off track or, you know, what some of those excuses and justifications might be. Yeah.
0: I relate to that so much because when, how, and that's something I need to do too, because when I don't feel like I'm being productive, Mm -hmm. oh, I am so mad at Olivia, I am so mad at her.
1: Uh huh. Right. <laughs> like, girl, come on. Like, it has been, you know, 12 hours since you've been awake. Like, what have you been doing?
0: Yeah. And I, I'm learning now that it's, it's so important to rest. Uh huh. And give myself that break because yeah. we're not machines. Yes. And especially in the world that we live in, the world is made for men. Uh huh. Traditional uh-huh. world, you know, it's the traditional things are made for men because they're they're the ones that have been in power. And women, we have like a cyclical cycle. Like we're yes. you know, it's such a I feel like it's the biggest most important thing for women to do is well, one, mm-hmm. is to learn how to manage their emotions. Mm-hmm. Their whole roller coaster throughout the day, learning mm-hmm. how to just Manage yeah. their emotions to actually not reflect on how they're, you know, how we're always feeling, yeah. but really like, especially in business, you know, yeah, like just business or world of how we conduct. We wear so many hats. We're expected to do it all, and yeah. like you're a mother, you're a coach, you do, you're a wife, like that's a lot. Yes, right, and right. You don't, yeah. you, you, it's so important to give yourself grace. So I'm happy you do that. I'm going to start doing that as well. So last question, where do you see yourself in your business in the next three years? Ooh,
1: oh, this is such a good, good question. So like, I want to help women radically transform the way that they see themselves, the way that they see food, the way that they see fitness. And so, I mean, I I'm going to be I'm going to continue working with women one on one in small groups starting next year. I'm going to start hosting retreats. So within three years, we'll be having, you know, I'll have probably two annual retreats Um, and, you know. Yeah, like I I want to be on track. So my five year goal is a million dollars in a year. And yeah. And so and that is like, you know, the way I think about it now is, you know, I would love to jump out of the gates and start making six figures in six months. And I have to kind of remind myself like, okay, let's say it takes me 18 months to make that six figures, but I set myself up to where then the next, I can do six figures in six months after that. You know, like what am I doing today that's going to set me up for success a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, like what am I building and how do I keep that long-term focus in mind? And so not being so, um needy or scarce or urgent in the moment of like well i have to do this now in order to hit this big goal but trusting in the compound effect and knowing that it may take some time to build up and in the beginning sometimes it looks like nothing's working but having that consistency and that follow through to really allow the water to boil, you know, to really allow it to come instead of taking the pot and moving it on and off the burner, turning it on and off because you think it's not working or it's not on properly, um, really sticking with it. So, yeah, so three years. um, So I I don't have a number for three years, but uh, but yeah, like, that's, that's what I want and like, most importantly, though, like really helping women through like the podcast, through my book, through um, these other means to, to really start to value themselves more, to take control of their lives, to take control of their health, to start to set better boundaries, to have healthier relationships, um, you know, things like that. Yeah.
0: That compound effect is so real. Mm-hmm. Cause it's things that you do every single day mm-hmm. that compound upon each other. And maybe, maybe it's just showing up for that client and taking care of your household mm-hmm. one day, but that doesn't, you know, get rid of all the days that you're like crushing it and built in doing right. three or four different podcasts and stuff like that. That's right. You know, it's the ebb and flow. and. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you do. I know that you're going to do phenomenal things. Thank you so much, Jillian, for joining. Thank you. Yeah, this was wonderful. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.